86,000 more seconds, it's a new day. What you think this was? Wrote up on a challenge and you think you're gonna walk away? Nah, time's on your side. Time is the reason that you are alive. Master your purpose, you master your time. Stay in the bed or you get up and cry where you watch it. I got to do this for my daddy who ain't living for my family and my county. Cause they told me that they counting on me. And I'ma make y'all proud. Days like this can't hold me down. Power in my voice, even more in my crown. Blue and rap did it now, give you this sound. Come all right, welcome back to another episode of Professional Coach the Podcast. This is Jay Harris. This is Chris Cooper. Oh my God, y'all. This is one that we've been waiting for. If you hear me, um, Chris and I have been talking about this new format of this podcast and who we would want to be joining us. Uh, and we're starting off with a major hitter, like right off the bat. I would agree. <laughs> right off the bat. Um, this young lady is the founder of the International Natural Hair Meetup Day. Her Black Biz Live has been featured on Essence and Black Enterprise as well as newspapers all around the country. She is the host of the Trendsetters podcast. This is our friend, the trendy socialite, Ms. Adia Rogers. Hey, my favorite ah, people. Adia, how have you been? Wonderful, wonderful. How about you all? Man, great. Uh, yes, great. <laughs> you know, and you heard us say this, but from the time that Cooper and I started talking about a podcast and talking about why we wanted to do a podcast, y'all, your name has come up time and time again. Wow. Yeah. I'm so flattered. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. What did you say, Chris? I said you've probably been mentioned in every episode we've had. Probably so. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes. Um, and, and I went back and, well, I listened to your um, trailer and intro for this new season. So I'm extremely excited. Thank yes. you. Yes. We are too. <laughs> Just thinking about everything that we've been able to accomplish um, here on campus um, under the legacy of Adia Rogers, under the legacy of um, Dr. Turner, uh, man, like, and so many others, so many others. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it just continues to blossom and grow. Um, and literally, I mentioned your name last week and a group of students who say, oh, no, like, she helped us get started, a new student organization. <laughs> uh, and I was like, wow. her, like, she's been gone for how long? But she's, right. you know, your presence is still here. And it's, it's definitely great to see. Thank you so much, man. I will say that the decade that I worked at East Carolina University, Go Pirates, um, was such a sweet and special and memorable time. Um, I literally have created lifelong friendships. Um, it has changed and impacted me and causes me to grow. And there are so many memories, so many events and conversations and people that I simply can never forget. But it was just like, and I think there was something truly special even though it was a hundred years old about us being in Mendenhall, like we couldn't hardly turn for each other, <laughs> but it created a closeness and a camaraderie that 
I think was really, really special to do some special things, even in getting the new student center kind of off the ground. Um, it created this atmosphere where we wanted to work together, where we wanted the best for the students and the campus. And that's like really an attitude that if I can keep it funky in a hundred, that, that I wish that some people in decision-making power had in their hearts and in their minds right now. It's like, what's best for the university? What's best for the students? What's best for the students that are currently there, but then the ones that are coming behind them? And I can say, honestly, like the two of you and countless others, the Tremaines, the Alan Thomases, the Patrick Dixons, the Crystal now Dixon, like everyone that I've worked with during my time, time there like really had that mentality of not only how can I make this institution great while I'm here but so that the students that are coming behind me can have even more than I have and, and more opportunities and that's what true legacy building is all about and so I'm excited that I had even just a small part um, during that time of just building something great at ECU. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned it. You said, you know, you had been with the university for 10 years. And just thinking about how much of that time um, you've been able to instill in so many. And, you know, all those names that you mentioned, that their work not only created something on campus, but it's going out far beyond. And you know, we're all in basically different corners of the earth, essentially, at this point. Um, and that is your legacy now out in different corners of the earth, you know, and ECU being that that thread that kind of hold us, holds us all together, I think is just absolutely um, amazing and gives me hope that, you know, in my short time or long time, whatever that might look like here at the university, that... Um, you know, hopefully I will leave as big of an impact um, both on the campus and those who I touch. Um, Agreed. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why we did the podcast. Really? You know, um, going back to this idea that um, university isn't what it used to be. And our students are gathering information and digesting information in so many different ways than we used to. Uh, and podcasts being one of those formats, they find that information and digest it. And we said, well, how can we be the Anadia Rogers or Toya Jacobs to as many students as possible? Yeah. And the podcast was where we landed to make that happen. Yeah, and it's absolutely one of the greatest mediums for you personally and the the two of you collectively, but also to have that legacy of what ECU meant to you and cap even capturing a little bit of oral history and things like that that I think are so important so that students especially realize and even alumni and community constituents politicians whoever may stumble upon this podcast because I feel like the tentacles will go so 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 far will realize that great things didn't just start happening like they have been happening for a long time. And even the struggles that students are facing now and some of the, the issues and the intolerance and the 
uh, bureaucratic red tape and all of those things didn't just start in the past couple of years. Like you all had to deal with that as students and student leaders. Yeah. Um, I had to deal with that as a student, as a student leader. My parents, who are both ECU alum, had to deal with that as students and as student leaders. So I think that there is <clears throat> a, a camaraderie in the struggle and a camaraderie in knowing that you're not necessarily dealing with anything new. Granted, a lot of it is now captured via social media, yeah. but there was still saga and drama and unspeakable things that happened. No, not just at ECU, but across the country mm -hmm. um, for years. Like what's trending right now on Twitter is the whole notion of the Tulsa massacre and the Tulsa riots um, back in 1921. And there is a whole segment of the population, not just generationally, but culturally and um, eth ethnically that have no clue what the Tulsa riots were all about, about the, uh, the Black Wall Street that was in Tulsa and things mm -hmm. like that. So I think that your podcast is really going to be one of those lightning rods and one of those linchpins and one of those things that people can go back and listen to and listen to currently just to get, if nothing else, some motivation, some inspiration, some I'm going to keep on going. I'm I'm going to keep on pushing to know what you all have experienced, good and bad and indifferent at ECU, but just in life in general. No, absolutely. Um, you know, last year we did the homecoming episode and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Black Man With Glasses and just how, um, how much of a moment that was for me um, when I was falsely accused here on campus for um, an assault. Um, and how the university and the student body really, you know, came out in support of, you know, my situation. And, you know, that's something that I hold on to. Uh, and more so for the positive, more than the negative at any point, um, just how much support that I had. And that is something that will always stick with me. It's one of the reasons why I am a pirate through and through, um, you know, just realizing that, when I needed it most, ECU truly was my family away from home. Um, Agreed. And, you know, that was just a huge moment for me. And something, again, that struggle that kind of ties us all together. Yeah. Um, as I was just, like, reflecting in preparation for this interview, I think one of the things that um, kind of struck me was this whole notion of during my time there, I think the approach to my work, and granted, I really didn't have a position of significant influence like Dr. Turner and like Toya Jacobs and Dr. Hardy and other notable people across campus, but the way I approached what I did from advising student groups to interacting with students is that I truly wanted to be an advocate for the students. If that meant getting in your butts and saying, no, you're not gonna do this, or <laughs> we're gonna do something different, or if it was going toe to toe um, with people, even administration and saying, no, this is what the students want and we need to listen to them. In this instance, we are here for them and we say that. 
And I think for me, there were certain hills I was willing to die on. And I remember so many times my parents were like, no, don't say that. No, don't do that. And I was like, no, listen, no, this is what I'm here for. Like at the end of the day, I have to get up with idea and I have to go to bed with idea. And I need to be comfortable with how I showed up for myself, but then also for the students that I work with that I like, that I ended up loving like family. And so there were, yours was one of the heels I was willing to die on. The, the black man with glasses was definitely one of those. And I just remember, I was like, no, we're not, this is not what we're getting ready to do, okay, as a community. And then the other one was the uh, renaming of ACOT call. Those mm -hmm. were definitely two distinct times that I remember. Those are going to be the hills, you know, whatever happens, happens, because I feel extremely strongly about this and I'm willing to go to bat, toe to toe, do whatever to make sure that if nothing else, you all were heard, you all were respected, you all were protected, and you all were understood in those situations. Uh, we definitely appreciate that for sure. Through and through. And, you know, one of the things I can appreciate as well that even today on your social media, you can still see those hills that you're willing to die on, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, you go to the Trinity Social Life to find out what's popping. And <laughs> if, you, if, you, if your ear isn't to the news on something, Adia Rogers is going to show you where you should be. If it ain't a brain dump or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brain dumps are becoming like legendary a little bit. I was looking for one this week, so come on. <laughs> I did one last week. Yeah, did you yeah, you did. And, but, you know, it's those things, though, that we can always count on um, in looking for some direction, um, you know, with your. Um, What's your just innovation and willingness to go against the grain and do something different? Um, you know, I don't think anyone would have ever imagined you leaving Greenville. I'm sad about this still, okay? I didn't oh. imagine I would leave Greenville. And definitely not halfway across the country and two hour, a two-hour time zone difference. Where it snows in October. That, y'all, that blew my own mind let alone everyone else's mind <laughs> so i was just as surprised as everyone else yeah but tell us a little bit more about that the reason behind it what you've been able to accomplish in this um in this journey and some life lessons that you've gained from kind of standing on your own for for what that's worth yeah so <sighs> So many things, but I will say it started with a prayer that I had toward the end of 2017. And that was, I asked God to make me more aware. And when I mentioned that like online, people were like, oh, you mean discernment? I was like, no, I mean aware. So how many times have we like driven someplace and we don't remember any details about the journey there or walked someplace or biked someplace. We don't remember the person that was standing 
on the corner. We don't remember the rose bush that we passed when we were going by a neighborhood entrance or any of those things. Like we're focused on where we're going. We're focused on, you know, what we have to do when we get there, what we just finished doing or whatever. And so we miss scenery. We miss opportunities. We miss, I can't tell you the number of times people said, oh, I saw you driving down whatever street that day. And especially in Greenville, you know, that could happen. I saw you driving down Greenville Boulevard or whatever. And so, and I'm like, I, I was none the wiser that you were there. So my prayer was just like, make me more aware, make me more aware of the people, the situations, the opportunities, and then help me to slow down enough to explore things. In this day and age of everything just happening instantaneously and it being such a instant gratification, do it right now and smash it out of the park at the first time you do it kind of mentality and society that we live in, sometimes just slowing down enough and being aware of, okay, what's happening here? Like, is this an opportunity for me? What does this look like? What does this mean for me? What could this opportunity or interaction or person that I've met, what could that mean to me? And so with that prayer, that is really what led to the door opening and my eyes opening to the opportunity of doing this, of moving to, for those of you that don't know, I'm, I've lived in Greenville like my entire life. There were four years that I lived in New Bern, but we were in Greenville every weekend because we went to church in Greenville. And so like, so Greenville still was my home, even when we lived in New Bern. So I've lived in Greenville practically my whole life. And in April of 2018, I moved to Denver, Colorado. After only one visit and literally only knowing one person in this entire city when I hopped on a plane and uh, came here. Well, I had met a couple of other people, but like really only knowing and having a relationship with and being friends with one person. So, and that was my cousin. So, um, it was, and it happened like really y'all so quickly, quickly for me, quickly for my family. And I know quickly for people that just <laughs> saw me post a picture one day with some moving boxes around me and they were like, wait, what? Um, and especially when they, so they were surprised that I was going to move because for years people have been like, oh, I could see you in another city. I can see you in Atlanta or Charlotte or the DMV or what have you. But when they read the city I was moving to, like they legit lost it. Like so many people legit lost it. And so, I mean, and even I was shocked um, by the location. Um, I thought that maybe someday I would move to uh, another city, but I did not think Denver at all. And so I'm at a funeral, my cousin calls and is like, so can you do what you do from anywhere? And I'm like, yeah, I can. He's like, okay, I need for you to book a ticket, come out here, cause I need you. By the end of, this was in February, the first part of February. At the end of February, I was here. I stayed, I was initially supposed to stay for three or four days, ended up staying for six and 
came back home on my mom's birthday. We had dinner. My mom was like, and my dad were like, okay, so like, what's going on? What are you sensing? What are you feeling? And I was like, I'm not really sure. I think there might be an opportunity out here, but I'm not really sure. And I remember in that moment that my mom and my dad looked at me and they were like, you have been so faithful, so committed to us, to the ministry, to our family, to everything. Like you need to go out and live your life. And at that moment, like that's when just like peace washed over me. And so one of the things that I've always said is that my, one of my litmus tests for decision-making and moving forward is the presence or the absence of peace. If I have peace about a situation, even if I don't know what to do next, even if I don't know where the provision is coming from, even if I don't know how it's going to work out and end up, I'm going to move forward. If there's an absence of peace, like if I'm like, ah, no, I do. I don't do anything. I don't make a decision. I don't necessarily say no, but I definitely don't make a decision. And if I, if I have to make a decision, yes or no, then the answer is going to be no, if there is an absence of peace. So I had peace and I said, I'm at this point, I was 42, maybe. Yeah. 42. And single, not married, no kids. So it's just me. And I'm like, if it doesn't work, I always have a home to come back to. And that's not an issue. That's not a problem. But how many more opportunities like this am I going to have to be able to explore a new city, explore myself in a new city, meet new people, have new opportunities? And so I just said, all right, God, let's go. And so um, I packed up and boxed up and shipped and a whole bunch of stuff and um, got on a plane on April 18th, 2018. And I have been here ever since. Now, the reason for my, initially for my coming out here, that opportunity only lasted six months. So here's where the story gets like really, really interesting because at that point, point from in from October 7th 2018 to this moment right here has literally been a faith walk I mean a total faith walk so I have had to deal with emotions about an opportunity ending and as well as rebuilding and rebranding and restructuring my own business, having to deal with thoughts and, and feelings of um, like being a bit of a failure and of, let's see what else, of kind of abandoning my audience to, to a certain degree because because of all of the emotions surrounding what happened and the drama surrounding what happened uh, when my, when the opportunity ended, um, I had, I stopped getting on Periscope. I stopped doing a lot of the things, hosting webinars and doing a lot of the things that I had been doing consistently because there were like 
feelings and emotions that I really, really had to process and really had to work through, including anger. And I think, especially as a community, especially as Black people, faith-filled Black people, sometimes we don't allow ourselves the grace and others don't allow us the grace or the time to explore and to feel the range of emotions that we have around disappointment, trauma, um, failures, if you will. And I don't really like that word uh, because I think failure is just information and it just gives you more perspective for how you do your life going forward. So Mm -hmm. I don't, it is definitely just an event. It is not who you are. It's not a part of your identity. It's not even an adjective. It's just something that happened through the course of your life. Now, that's a great perspective. Um, and you're so right in that in our culture, we really don't allow individuals that space to process things, right? There's so much of this idea of get up and go no matter what. And yeah you know, work, 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 figure out feelings and everything else later. And that's just, that's one is not healthy, but two is not realistic. And so hearing you say that you had that opportunity to deal with those things, process those things, um, and deal with the emotions of basically grief of yeah. situation. Um, You are so right. That's exactly what it was. And I feel like I went through those five stages and I'm still honestly going through that. So I think I hit a particularly low point in May of this year and I knew something was wrong. Like I had zero motivation, zero drive. I wasn't even, I didn't want to do anything. I was barely and basically functioning. And while I didn't necessarily have any thoughts of wanting to harm myself or things like that, I literally just would lay in bed as much as humanly possible. And I did the absolute bare minimum and I knew something was wrong, but I did also didn't really know how to get myself up out of that hole at that point. And I will never forget, and I'm getting ready to say a name that we all know and love, She's now Dr. Shantae Elbert. So oh, she, gotta say that. <laughs> right. She came to Denver for a conference and, and she had told me earlier in the year that she was coming and I was like super excited. As it got closer, so she was coming in May, as it got closer, I'm at this place where I'm not even excited to see a friend that while we communicate consistently and constantly, I hadn't really seen in years because she left ECU, went to Charlotte, left Charlotte, went to Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and then Indianapolis, and now she's in Washington State. And so we hadn't really seen each other. We've talked on the phone, we FaceTime, Zoomed, and all of those things. But I was in such a place where I just was lethargic and not enthusiastic about that. And so she came, we had dinner, and after we had talked about, you know, updates with her and what's going on with her and her family. She asked me, so how are you, Adia? 
And it is something about when you have genuine friends and if there is nothing else that people get out of this episode is that to pray for, look for, invest in and surround yourself with people who genuinely care about you and your well-being and will leap into action if something is wrong. Right. And so in that moment, I couldn't lie. I couldn't fake the funk. And I was like, I'm just not in a good place right now. And so over the course of the next hour or so, we just slowly started to unpack all of the the feelings and the emotions and all of the stuff that I was dealing with internally and that I had revealed to certain people like not fully, like definitely not fully. And they would only get glimpses or whatever, but it, it just seemed to me that they were so uncomfortable with my discomfort that I was just like, oh, it's just easier for me to put this mask back on and not act like anything is wrong. So I had been doing that for a really long time, but with true friends and with people that truly have your best interests at heart, you can't, and you don't even want to do that with, like you want there to be a place and a person and a community that you can really just be naked, raw, unashamed, your super flawed, but also superhuman and supernatural self at at the same time. Absolutely. So what happened after that was just bananas because this was on a, a Monday night. I wake up Tuesday morning to my phone ringing and it's her and her twin sister. And they're like, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's what we're going to do. So that's why I say you need to have people that are willing to leap into action. They had gone online and looked at um, therapists in the area for me. They were like, okay, here's the plan. Here's what you're going to do. We want you to, I mean, I had deliverables and action steps. And you're talking about people that have demanding jobs Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, active families. I think Sheree was pregnant at that point. And, but to have people around you that are willing to like, okay, we're going to surround this pit that you're in and lift you up. Right. And so that was the beginning of the change, the turn, the shift for me. So I've been in therapy for probably about three months now. Best decision by far, hands down. And I've been in therapy before, but it has been so eye-opening and so cathartic. And so I want people to know that I love God. I am a Christian and I'm in therapy and you can do both. You can do both. (laughs) You can absolutely do both and it's okay. And it it says nothing about your, your faith or your belief in God as a healer because he uses so many different resources and people and things to heal and to make us better, including talking to one another. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many proverbs and things that talk about friendship and talking to one one another and the wisdom of sound counsel. So having a therapist, having someone you can talk to is absolutely biblical, is scriptural, is right in the way. And so 
I, I recommend it for, for everyone. Oh, absolutely. And as a counselor myself, you know, I remind people that we are literally professional secret keepers. We can be your weekly, monthly journal mm -hmm. to just be yeah. a sounding board and right. throw it all on an impartial person that can speak to what it is that you need at that moment without you necessarily having to get into the deep dark past and all the secrets and everything else. But right. what do you need right in this moment that we might be able to help you with and help you navigate that? Right. Um, you know, and so I'll just thank you for, for that endorsement because I don't think that enough is being said about just the, um, the upsides to counseling and therapy um, and mm -hmm. what that can do for individuals day-to-day -day well-being. I appreciate that too because I'm currently looking for a therapist um, just to get a therapist because um, I feel like I'm in that space in life where I need to talk to an unbiased person. So I appreciate just that you know stamp like go ahead and do it. You need to do it. Best decision. So I appreciate that as well. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that that is part of the village, right? And so that village that raises us doesn't stop when we become adults, right? Like there is still, because we're constantly, hopefully, well, at least wanting to level up. And so you have to surround yourself with the community of people, family, friends, therapists, doctors, nutritionists, personal trainers. Like it takes a village of people for each of us to reach our optimal selves. And so for any students that are listening to this episode, I highly encourage you to start developing those relationships now. There are so many free and low cost resources at your university that you can tap into and use. There are so many of us on campus that don't mind having coffee with you or having lunch with you, or you stopping by our office and talking to us and things like that. So whether your village is biological or relational, I think that that is something that when you look at people that are successful, when you look at people that are really making an impact, they have those people around them. And so like when people struggle and they have these, kind of like, you know, when celebrities have those public moments of something bad happens. Mm -hmm. My first question is always, who are your friends? Like, who are your people? Who is the person that is near you or with you or who is on emergency bypass when your phone is on do not disturb that can text you and be like, girl, put the phone down, <laughs> like delete that and go take a nap. Right. And that's, I think that that is so needed right now in order for us to be successful, to level up, to go to that next space. I will tell you that one of the things that I don't particularly care for is this adage of our circle being small. Yeah. My, I reframe that to say, I don't necessarily know or care if my circle is small, but it has to be strategic. Mm. And I think that that is, we have, 
accepted this notion of being loners and being on an island almost by ourselves or only allowing a couple of more people, a couple of people inside of our space, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. And I think that that creates this silo and this vacuum that long-term is not healthy. There is literally scripture that says there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel. You have to have enough people around you that can share a little bit of diversity of thought so that you can take the different opinions and say, okay, this resonates with me. This aligns with my values, with you know how I want to show up in my life, with my belief system. This doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, a sorority sister saying to me, you need to have mentors or people that look like you and at least one that is almost the complete opposite of you. And so I have one. So I'm a black heterosexual woman from the South. One of my greatest friends that I talk to consistently is a white heterosexual Jewish man. And so we don't always see eye to eye. I don't always think that even his advice or, you know, things that he shares is germane to me or where I am, but I appreciate a different perspective. I appreciate looking at life kind of through his lens and it makes me more aware again, cause that was my prayer. It makes me more sensitive. It makes me more self-aware. And in those moments I sit with myself and I'm like, Adia, like, what do you think about this? And that has been one of the most impactful things that I have done over the past year is to sit with myself and unpack and examine things that I was taught, things that I believe and believed, things that I heard. I, 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 and I'm still unpacking all of those things from things I heard in church, things my parents taught me things that other people, you know, that had influence in my life shared and taught and, and caused me to believe like at this point right now, what I'm doing is unpacking all of that and saying, okay, what do I actually believe? Some of it aligns with what I was taught. Some of it doesn't. But again, because I feel like I need to be comfortable with myself. I need to be comfortable with my belief system, my values, my um, for lack of a better term, like my constitution, my bylaws, like how I'm going to conduct myself in right. life. Adia, there's something that um, we've touched on in our questionnaire that you just reminded me of with that. In your constitution and bylaws, um, one of the things that you've hit on as well is it's okay to have a hobby that doesn't make you money. Listen to me. <laughs> it is so okay. And I am I'm at this point in my life that we need to, we all need to have something that gives us life, that gives us joy, that fulfills us, that doesn't necessarily have a 
money-making monetization expectation to it. And that's okay. Absolutely. I think it just makes us a well-rounded person, right? Like I, I want to hear about um, the music that you like. I love hearing about your personal training and your running races and all that comes with that. That doesn't, it can earn you money, but it doesn't necessarily have to. And you didn't start it from the notion of this is how I'm going to make money. You started it from the place of this is what I want to do. This is what I'm interested in. This is what I'm passionate about. And I think we all need that, that well-roundedness. One of the things that I learned working at ECU was like the eight degrees of wellness or that wellness will and things like that. And I think that especially for entrepreneurs, for people that are purpose-driven, that are trying to develop a side hustle and doing all of those things, sometimes we lose the fact that in being well-rounded, everything doesn't have to make money. Everything you endorse doesn't have to have an affiliate link. Everything that you <laughs> wear doesn't have to be sponsored. Right. Um, everything that you do doesn't have to be paid. Like, I also want to see you just enjoying life, right? Absolutely. And, and so I think that that is so vitally important, especially for people that are in or wanting to get in the entrepreneurial space. You need to have something that's just for you, that's just about you, that you don't, if you don't ever make a dime on it, it still makes you happy it still is fulfilling and you're still willing to devote your time to it um i think it's a little disconcerting and i think it leads to some other stuff that you could probably attest to as a counselor that it having that con that constant hustle mindset with things like it doesn't allow your brain to breathe it right. doesn't allow you to tap into um, a different part of yourself and of your brain. And it doesn't allow you, like every moment of your day is filled with a money-making activity. And I don't know that that is healthy. I don't think it is. Um, and so, you know, I think some people, they're like, oh, well, you know, my family time. And that's vitally important. And I absolutely do that. But then what about you? Because before you became a spouse or a partner or a parent or a caretaker, you were a person. And so you need to find that thing or return to that thing that is just for you and about you and not about anybody else. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You summed it up really nicely. <laughs> I was going to say in our culture, people are so hustle driven. If it's not making you money, they always say you aren't doing anything. So um, I think you really tied that in a nice little bow. Yeah, but in a, and I'm sure that there is, you know, psychology and science around the feelings that you get from doing something you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And that and I know people love money. You, absolutely. <laughs> but that makes you more productive, even in those monetization and money generating moments. Mm -hmm. If you because there are endorphins and there's all this feel-good juice for lack of a better word that comes from doing things that you love and that you enjoy and if there are people that 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 is what you enjoy that's where you get your 
your adrenaline rush and your endorphins, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But if there are people, I just don't want people to feel guilty for enjoying crocheting or knitting or needlepoint or baking or, you know, running or any of those things. Like, I don't want you to feel guilty because you do those things and you spend a good amount of time during the course of your week doing those things. Mm -hmm. I just don't want people to feel guilty for making those kind of choices for their lives. And that goes back to your own constitution, your own bylaws, your own values and belief systems, how you want to conduct your life. So Adia, um, real quick, you talked about your challenges. Um, you know, how do you, how do you bounce back? I know you, you said that the family system and having people around you, but if there's anything you could say to somebody like Jay or myself um, who's trying to do things, trying to be great, trying to navigate this crazy world, um, what advice would you give us about back and back, uh, bouncing back and just navigating through the, the tools and snares of life? <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. I will say um, a couple of words that come to mind is manage and grace or management and grace, right? And so that was a word, management and manage was a word that really came center focused in my life back in 2017 when both my parents had surgery like 30 days apart. And I had to manage day-to-day priorities. The priorities that I had were dictated by what was going on in their recovery at that point and doctor's appointments and other things. So I even had to put, you know, some business things on hold or on the back burner, or I wasn't as consistent as I would have liked to have been, just a whole bunch of different things. And so I had to learn that some days are easier and better than others. And I think that's where that grace kicks in. And I feel like sometimes not only do we not give grace to other people but we don't we really don't give grace to ourselves because we feel like we have to have the Instagram highlight reel we have to be constantly hashtag goals we have to be constantly like hustle and flowing and all of those things whereas I think with what I've experienced over the last year is giving myself grace to have those days where things just aren't a hundred percent and realizing that they aren't a hundred percent. But at the same time, I give myself a time limit. So that's probably one piece of advice that I would have. So, and, and we even came to this agreement amongst a group of friends of, of mine and myself was we give you grace. You can tell us you're not having a good day. This week is really tough. And we literally give you a deadline (laughs) and we're just like, okay, you can be in your feelings. You can sulk, you can whine, you can have a pity party. You can cry. You can wallow in the bed for usually hours is anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. And then we're like, okay, what are we going to do to get past this? If nothing else, you need to get up, take a shower, Put on your good clothes, uh-huh. you know, like brush your hair, do your makeup, and then show up, go outside, like do something. 
And so for me, that has been strategic and not allowing myself because I never want to go back to the place that I was almost the entire month of May. So while every day hasn't been hustle and flow and, and great and, and super productive, I also have minimized those days and they don't drag on into cycles of, of that. And obviously therapy helps. So for people that maybe aren't in a place where they can have therapy right now. Um, I think I use three things. It's, and it's called the three M's. It's mindfulness, mantras, and music. And oh it, might, like it, <clears throat> it might seem so simplified, but I can tell you that these three things have really impacted my, my life and impacted the way I show up. So my mindfulness for me is the um is really just surrounding myself and being really thoughtful and careful about what I subject my mind and thus my heart my spirit to and so in moments where I'm I'm not feeling like my optimal self that's when I'm making sure that I'm listening to sermons going to bible study listening to podcasts that are uplifting listening to watching YouTube videos that are uplifting. And what you can do is like, you can literally just create a playlist. Like, Cause sometimes in the moment it's, it can be so overwhelming and you have a sense of overwhelm anyway, that you're just like, I don't even know where to start. So when you're having a good day, decide what people and podcasts and things really, really help you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, so mindfulness is super important. Prayer, meditation, whatever your particular thing is, find your thing. And again, like, I think sometimes we feel like people have to know what that thing is. They don't. Right. What you do when you close the door to the bathroom, to your car, to your bedroom, to your home is nobody's business. So... And, and especially sometimes like in the black faith community, there are stigmas and judgments around things like yoga and meditation. And, and meditation is really just sitting still and getting your mind quiet, mm -hmm. which is something that God wants you to do anyway, right? So he can speak, so he can help, so he can heal. So it's not, it doesn't have to be anything other than you're just sitting still and centering, centering yourself. So mindfulness is super, super important. Mantras, affirmations, scriptures, quotes, and however you need to do that and keep that in front of you constantly, but definitely in those moments where you're struggling. So like I've gotten, um, the letter boards that are super popular right now and I'm looking at them right now and I have two quotes on them. So I have two boards and I change the quote every week kind of based on <clears throat> what I'm thinking and feeling in the moment. I have affirmations that I say every day. I have scriptures that I have memorized. I have scriptures of promise that anytime I feel like the provision isn't coming, coming I know what God promised. And right. so I have those. And so Again, whatever you need to create this, this arsenal of things to combat how you're feeling and to manage how you're 
feeling on those days where you struggle, I think it's super important. And then for me, music is huge. So of course I have like a worship playlist, a gospel playlist, but I also have like a ratchet playlist because there are some right. moments where I'm like, <laughs> I need for Lil' Kim, Jay-Z, Biggie to say what I really want to say to you, but the Jesus part of me won't allow me to say it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I have, it's a plethora of music. It might be jazz. It might be classical. Whatever you you need that's going to put you in a better space, in a better place that shifts and changes your perspective, that's what you need to do. And it's nobody's business but yours. But I think we have to be intentional. And that was another word that kind of kept coming up as I was thinking about our conversation today, is that we have to make intentional choices. And we have to be intentional about who we surround ourselves with, what we surround ourselves with. And that can impact how we feel, how we manage things, and how we show up for ourselves and for others, and how we live our purpose and leave a legacy. Yo, you are just incredible. Um, I know that people are going to continue wanting to learn more, hear more. Where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, so I hang out on Instagram, definitely trendy socialite. You can find me on my website, adearrogers.com, A-D-E-E-A-R-R-O-G-E-R-S.com. I have discovery calls and I have conversations with people about how they can discover, develop, and deploy their purposes. Um, I also have a new website surrounding some work that I'm doing right now that's called God's Signature Statement.com. And I'm on Twitter and uh, at Trendy Socialite, Facebook, facebook.com slash the Trendy Socialite. So I'm on pretty much a lot of different platforms. You can find me there. And it is a pleasure following you on all those platforms. Yes. (laughs) I try to do a little something different on on the, the platforms, depending on, you know, like my mood and things like that, but you, you also understand social media. Most some people don't understand social media, so you also understand social media and and how to brand yourself across all the platforms. So, oh, thank you, I appreciate that. It is an ever flowing, changing cycle, not just with algorithms, but with what, what people think and say um, is effective. I think for me, if there is any quote secret sauce to what I do is that I really just show up as myself. Absolutely. And and so that's sometimes flawed, unfiltered. You might disagree, all of those things, but it literally is authentically me. That's great. That's great. Chris, where can we find you at, man? Find me on Instagram at CooperT07, on Twitter as Cooperman, uh, not Superman, but Cooperman. And on Facebook at Christopher uh, Lamont Cooper. All right. And you can find me on Facebook, Jermichael Harris, Instagram and Twitter at Counseling Laugh. This has been another episode of Professional Culture. Talk to you soon. Take care. Today's not over. 
86,000 more seconds, it's a new day What you think this was? Wrote up on a challenge and you think you're gonna walk away? Nah, time's on your side Time is the reason that you are alive Master your purpose, you master your time Stay in the bed or you get up and cry Where you watch it? I got to do this for my daddy Who ain't living for my family and my county Cause they told me that they counting on me And I'ma make y'all proud Days like this can't hold me down Power in my voice, even more in my crown Blue and rap did it, now I'll give you this 